Chapter Ten. Rachel. I spent hours just walking in the woods, walking and trying to remember. Who was I? What was I? I didn't know. My mind would not answer me. I remembered how to talk. I remembered what things were called. I knew that the sky was blue and the moon is white and the ocean was deep, and that winter was colder than summer. I knew all the background things of life. It was like watching a TV show where you could see all the sets, but the characters were invisible. Of me, of who I was and what I was, I knew nothing, or not quite nothing. I knew that I was some sort of freak. I knew I could have the feathers and beak and legs of a bird, and I knew that I had some terrible enemy. The pine needles and fallen branches made walking painful. But what else could I do? Where was I supposed to go? Some terrible beast was hunting me. Who could I possibly trust? Answer me! I yelled at no one but the trees. Who am I? The sound of my own voice reminded me I had to be careful. The beast from the sky might be out there, might be looking for me. I walked, always hoping the clouds would lift from my memory. I knew I had amnesia. I remembered the word amnesia, but how had it happened? That I could not remember. I stayed fairly close to the highway that slides through the forest. I could see flashes of cars through the trees a few hundred yards off to my right, but I stayed deep enough in the woods that no one from the road could see me. I could not afford to be seen, not until I knew what danger I was in. Then, amidst all the green and browns of the forest. I saw something bright yellow. It was deeper in the woods, another few hundred yards deeper. I crouched down low and walked on bent legs toward the splash of yellow. I moved as quietly as I could, placing each bare foot carefully. It was a shack. The yellow was a cotton ribbed top, from the limited, probably. I froze. What? From the limited? What did that mean? I squeezed my eyes shut and concentrated. Flash, a store. It was a store, clothing, tables covered with folded tops in bright colors. I was there. I was there shopping with. I knew there was someone there with me. I could feel the fact that someone was with me, but I couldn't see any more. The memory fragment was only a brief snippet of time. It told me nothing. I looked again at the shack. It looked like it had been built a long time ago. It was made of logs, some of which were rotted out. Had I been here before? It felt familiar. This place, a place like it, but no, I was probably just imagining things. The yellow top was hanging on a clothesline. I duck walked left to see through the front doorway. It was open. There was no light inside the cabin. Should I? Could I take the risk? If you want to return the item, you'll need the receipt. A voice said, "Yeah!" I yelled and spun around. A woman, old, no, not so old, just shabby, wearing so many layers of clothing, she looked fat, but she wasn't. She was thin, dragging a bulging canvas bag. Not a threat. I forced myself to calm down. I tried to let the adrenaline flow out of me, 
but my heart was pounding and my muscles were tensed. You'll need the receipt, the woman said again. She stared at me in a challenging way and held out her hand. What? I asked. Do you know me? If you want to return the item, you'll need a receipt, she said again. She said it precisely the way she had the first time, identical inflection. She was insane. I don't have a receipt, I said. She looked past me at something. Or nothing. Then she headed for the shack. I don't know why, but I followed her. She was mentally ill, but she didn't seem dangerous, and I wasn't exactly normal myself. I don't know what I expected to find inside the shack, but it was a shock. Clothing. Piles of it three feet high. In every corner, clothing. Much of it was dirty, filthy. Some were stained or burned. Some seemed fine. The madwoman ignored me completely. She opened her dirty canvas bag and began pulling out more items of clothing. Stained shirts, ripped jeans, one old sneaker. Excuse me, I said. Ma'am? If you want to return the item, you'll need a receipt. Can you tell me your name? She stopped sorting the clothing. She turned a sly grin toward me. My name? Or its name? We are two, not one. Yes, yes. If you want to return the item. Your name, please, I said. It's gone now, she said craftily. But it will be back. Oh, yes, they'll be back. They never go away forever. I guess normally I might have been frustrated. I might have even gotten annoyed. But I knew now what it was like to have your brain betray you. Who does all this clothing belong to? I asked. Mine! She shrieked suddenly. Mine! It's mine! Okay, okay, okay. It's yours. I found it all. People throw it away. It's mine. Yes, it's yours. But I was wondering. I don't have any shoes. I thought maybe you could let me borrow a pair of shoes. Will that be cash, check, or credit card? I, um... I had an idea. Maybe it was stupid. Maybe it was even a little cruel. I bent down and picked up a chunk of pine bark from the floor. I held it out to the woman. Credit card. She took it. She looked at it in confusion. Then she looked up at me. There was something lost and desperate in her eyes. Is this the store? She asked. It's your store, I said. She forced a shaky smile. Let me know if I can help you find anything. I will, I said. I began digging through the nearest pile of clothing. Shoes were stuck here and there. I dug each one out, one by one, and set them in a pile on the floor. I needed a size five. So far I had mostly men's shoes. Are you one of them? The woman asked. One of what, ma'am? I replied. The others. The ones who live in your head. I don't think so, I said. I was focused on my search. There's only one way to know for sure, she said in a soft, silky voice. Success! One size 6 Reebok and one size 5 Converse. They weren't exactly matched, but they were better than being barefoot. I heard a creak of rusty hinges behind me. I turned to look. The woman had opened a trap door on the floor of the shack. I started to rise from my crouch, holding the shoes. Woomph! 
Something hit me from behind. I tried to suck in a breath, but the blow had emptied my lungs. The woman was all over me, shoving, clawing, scratching and screaming, Yerk! 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 I struggled to fend her off, but she was strong and driven by her insane vision. I fell, down through the hole in the floor. Yerk! Yerk! She screamed. I landed on dirt. I recovered quickly and leapt back up at the opening. The hatch slammed down on me. I ducked, just in time. Yerk! 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 Flash! A gray sludgy pool. An underground cavern. Something in the pool, swimming. Many somethings. Something just beneath the surface of the pool. Like fish. No. Slugs. Gray slugs. Yerk! My head swam with the sudden vision, but I couldn't focus on that. I had to get out. I pounded on the splintery wood of the hatch. Lady, let me out of here. Let me out of here. I don't want to hurt you. No answer. I looked around. It wasn't a basement, just a space beneath the shack. Maybe long, long ago, it had been some kind of way to escape, or maybe it was a place to store food for the winter, but it had the feeling of great age. It was hard-packed dirt on three sides. The fourth side was a wall of vertical logs. I could see through the gaps in the logs, but I did not see a way out. Lady, let me out of here. I'm not going to hurt you. She spoke in a much quieter voice. No, no, you don't want to hurt me. You just want to crawl inside my head, like you did before. Crawl inside my head, make me... Make me give you my husband. Make me give him to you. My children. All for you. All for you! Controlling me. In my head. But you died, didn't you, Yerk? I felt a terrible coldness. She was insane. Insane. And yet... Why did her raving mean something to me? That word... Yerk. It meant something. Something evil. Was I crazy too? Was that the truth I was hiding from myself? Chapter 11 Jake Marco and I took the bus to a place close to where the Dust Beast had attacked Rachel and destroyed the ice cream truck. The bus stopped and we climbed off. We were at a combination gas station and convenience store just off the highway. There was a Denny's across the street and a Dairy Queen not far off. The wreckage of the Ben and Jerry's truck was at the gas station. It had been towed there to get it off the road. There wasn't much left of the trailer. It had been chewed up and ground into splinters. Well, Marco said dryly. That sure looks like the work of the same creature that ventilated Darlene's house. You do realize you shouldn't have been there in the first place, I said. Someone could have been killed. Like I knew some devil beast was going to come after me, Marco demanded. I let it go. Marco knew he'd screwed up. At least, I hoped he knew. Come on, I said. You have the bag? Of course I have the bag, Marco grumbled. We headed for the woods. Once well into the trees, we began scanning the tree branches. Up here, Tobias said in thought speak. He was on a branch, preening his feathers. He used his beak to sort of comb through each feather. Is this really the time to be worrying about your looks? Marco asked. Preening isn't about looks, Tobias said patiently. I'm cleaning and straightening feathers. Clean feathers fly better. How do you even get dirty? Marco wondered. I mean, flying all the time. I was hungry, so I ate a mouse. A mouse just like the one you became this morning. 
Tobias said. It wasn't a very clean kill. Any other questions? I smiled as Marco turned slightly green. Where's Axe? I asked. He's coming. He's about a mile back. He's fast, but he's on foot, whereas I flew. Did you? No, Tobias answered. I didn't see anything. No humans walking in this area of the woods at all, as far as I saw. Except for this crazy woman who lives in a shack out here. No Rachel. Okay, I said. Marco and I are going to morph now. You want to go up top and make sure we're clear? Tobias opened his wings and swept low over our heads before catching a headwind and rising above the treetops. Ready, Marco? I asked. Sure, I love this morph. It's cool. This is what morphing should always be like. We were planning to use our wolf morphs. For one thing, wolves ran in the forest, so we wouldn't be totally out of place. But more importantly, wolves have a magnificent sense of smell. Open the bag. Marco opened the bag and took out a girl's shirt. It belonged to Rachel. She'd left it at Cassie's house. We hoped it would still smell like Rachel. We were going to play Bloodhound. We shoved our clothes back into the bag and stood there in our morphing suits, bike shorts and tops. Needless to say, we looked just a bit out of place. All clear, Tobias called down from somewhere above. Well, let's do it, I said to Marco. You look so Arnold when you get that expression, Marco teased. So what? So Arnold, Schwarzenegger. I smiled. Oh, shut up. All right then, let's do it, Marco said, doing a pretty decent Arnold accent. I focused on the wolf. We had first acquired the wolf morphs a while back, when we were on a mission to destroy a Yurk truck ship. Wolf, I said to myself. The first change was the fur, gray and shaggy and as rough as carpeting. It sprouted from my human skin in a wave that rippled down from my neck all across my body. I could see my face bulging out, growing a long snout. It's very odd, because when you're a human, you can't really see your own nose. So it's definitely weird to have this long thing sticking out of your face. Of course, that's not exactly the only thing weird about morphing. Morphing seems like it should hurt. I mean, there are entire organs inside your body that are changing. Even down to individual cells, everything about you is changing within a couple of minutes. It doesn't hurt, though. I guess the Andalite scientists who discovered the process made sure of that. If it had hurt, it would have been pain too terrible to live through, especially when you're doing some really bizarre morph, like into a lobster or an ant, when there's almost nothing left that's even slightly human. It didn't hurt, but it could definitely creep you out. I could hear my bones shifting and popping and stretching and squeezing. There was a grinding noise when my knees suddenly reversed direction. Hey, Jake, Marco said. He still had most of his human mouth. I started to answer him, but the sound that came out was more like, LIBERAL! Marco grinned, and at that second, his mouth bulged into a snout. His teeth grew and multiplied, and became the fearsome weapons of the wolf. I don't believe it! It's coming! Tobias yelled. It's coming! I didn't need to ask what Tobias meant. I looked up at the sky. A dust storm was blowing just above the trees. It's coming! Chapter 12 Rachel Let me out, you crazy old woman, I yelled. 
I was learning something about myself. I still didn't know my own name, but I knew one thing. Whoever I was, I had a temper. But the woman was no longer paying attention to me. I could hear her in the cabin above, sorting clothes and muttering to herself. The anger I felt was good. I realized it kept me from being afraid. There was something about that word. Yerk. It meant something. Something bad. Flash! I was looking through strange eyes, seeing too well, seeing not at all. Then, a centipede! Bigger than a human! Huge! More creatures, some real, some... some that couldn't possibly be real. An elephant, a massive rampaging bear, ants that were as big as I was, a deadly creature that swung razor-bladed arms and had feet like a tyrannosaurus, and... Flash! And a creature dying, like a horse... No, like a deer, but not a deer, a tail that flashed, eyes, too many eyes, and thoughts, thoughts that were in my head. Get out of my head, I yelled suddenly. I gasped. It had been so powerful. My mind had opened and gushed out horrible images. Then it had closed again. Everything was hidden once more beneath a gray blanket. I smelled smoke, and the scent was strong. Strong and near. Was the old woman cooking? Making a campfire? Was she... The shack! It was burning! Let me out of here! I cried. The shack's on fire! You won't get me again, yerk! I'm not a yerk! Let me out! Let me out! The fire spread with stunning swiftness. In less than a minute, there were tongues of flames dripping down through the chinks in the floor above me. I could hear it snapping and popping. The smoke poured down in gusts and then blew away, only to come back still stronger. Let me out! I yelled again, but there was no answer. I was going to burn! I coughed as smoke scorched my throat. I ran to the log uprights that formed the cage. I shoved at them, shoved and pulled, but they didn't move. I was trapped. I tried to scream again, but I coughed instead. I could barely breathe. Already, my head was feeling light. Power. I needed power to break out. Power enough to shatter the rotten logs. I sank to my knees, driven down by the heat. Sparks fell around me, and I brushed them away as they burned my legs and back. I was too weak. I couldn't do it. But within me. Something within me. And then it began. I didn't even notice it at first. I was too terrified. I expected the flame-engulfed cabin to crash down on me at any moment. Suddenly, I began to change. I was becoming large. So large, so quickly, that my head was rising toward the flames. Heavy, dark brown fur was growing from my arms and legs. But what I noticed most was the power. Rippling, massive muscles bulged from my arms and legs and swelled my neck. It was an incredible, giddy rush. One minute I was weak and failing and nearing death. The next minute, the power. The amazing, straining, bulging, explosive power. Chapter 13. Marco. Tobias came shooting down toward us. He wanted to make sure we knew. It's coming! I was halfway into morph. Could I use thought speak yet? I decided to try. We hear you, Tobias. I can see it. Finish morphing. 
Jake yelled in my head. Better to face this thing as wolves. I was trembling with fear. I had faced this thing once already that day. I wasn't interested in facing it twice. But Jake was right. Better to fight as a wolf than as a human. And this time, Jake was with me. I was on all fours. I could feel the wolf's strength. I could sense the intelligence and instincts of the wolf's brain. All the wolf's incredible senses were mine. But when I looked up to see the beast forming, I knew the wolf wasn't nearly enough. No animal morph could fight this thing. Look at it! I cried. Yeah, Jake said. He was trying to sound brave, but Jake's been my friend for many years. I know when he's scared. He was scared plenty. Here it comes! The beast of a hundred mouths and a hundred whirling blades came for us. There were treetops in the way. The beast shredded them. We ran. It would have been stupid to do anything else. My powerful wolf's jaws were nothing to this beast. I ran, and I ran fast. Wolves have pretty good speed and incredible endurance. A wolf can run for hours, all day if necessary. But I didn't think I would get the chance to run that long. The beast dropped to just a few feet above the ground, leveled off, and came after us. The trees were close together, too tight for the beast to fit through, so it simply shredded anything in its way. The noise was shocking. I ran. I leapt over fallen logs. I dodged around trees. I counted on my rough gray coat to protect me as I ripped straight through thorn bushes. The beast ripped a path 50 feet wide through the forest. It was like some nightmare lumberjack. It reduced trees to twigs and splinters in seconds. Wood shrapnel flew everywhere. It's gaining, I said to Jake. Little by little, it's gaining. The trees. It destroys them, but they slow it down. Just enough. More trees! Thicker trees! I yelled. I looked wildly around at the world washed pale by the wolf's poor color vision. There were trees everywhere. Too many. I didn't know which way the forest grew denser and which way it might thin out. But the wolf knew. The wolf's own instincts led the way. Jake and I both felt it, I guess, because we began turning north. The trees grew thicker and there were more of them. The beast chewed its way after us, but it was no longer gaining. It was not falling behind, either. Jake! Marco! What are you doing? Tobias yelled. Heading for denser wood, Jake said. Maybe we'll slow this thing down. It's getting thicker up ahead, Tobias agreed. But you better hope it wears out soon. Why? I said. Because you have a quarter mile of woods, and then it opens up into a meadow, Tobias said. Open grass. Jake and I said nothing. We didn't have to. We both knew if the beast didn't tire out before we came into the open country, it would catch us. And it didn't seem tired. Just then, as terrified as I was, I smelled something that set off deeper alarm bells in the wolf's mind. Smoke. There was a fire not far away. And to my acute wolf's ears came the faintest sound of a human voice screaming. Just as if the beast had heard the same faint cry, I saw the monster shudder. It hesitated. Jake, look! The beast wavered and slowed. 
I could see the meadow through the trees. The meadow where we would surely die. Except that now the beast was wavering. Suddenly, it turned away. It turned toward the place that smelled of fire and smoke. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. This is your host, Daniel. And if I sound a little sleepy, it is because I am. This is, I'm recording this outro the night before I leave on my flight, which is like super early in the morning. So I was like, hey, Daniel, why don't you just stay up all night? Like, you're not as old as you are. And I'm regretting it now, but it's like I'm in it. And so I got to just push forward and commit, even though I really want to go to bed. It's fine. I'll sleep on the plane. I'm going to Japan, so like I need to adjust to that time zone anyway. It's it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. We're all fine. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, I would like to take this moment to officially declare that I will be taking next week off because I thought maybe I would have time today to record the extra chapters to kind of get another one queued up for next week, and I did. Um, but I didn't use that time to record. I was playing video games instead, so now I'm sleepy and I don't want to record anymore, so I'm not gonna, so just, we're gonna miss a week, it's fine. Um, so, I will see you two weeks from now, but also, if you liked what you heard here, you can hear more at audiomorphs.podbean.com, or by searching Audiomorphs anywhere you can find iTunes. Hi Daniel from literally two minutes ago. You did just say, search wherever you can find iTunes, which I guess technically is true. If you can find iTunes there, you can search it for a podcast. But I meant to say, anywhere podcasts are found. Again, it's late. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Except for Spotify, which I still haven't gotten up yet, but I'm working on that, probably. I'm sleepy. I'm sorry. I'm rambling. Uh, You can reach me at audiomorphscast.tumblr.com or at audiomorphscast at gmail.com. Also, you might want to check out my other podcast called OK Crusader, found at shoutengine.com slash OK Crusader, or by searching OK Crusader on most podcasting platforms. It is a show where I invite some guests on and we discuss uh, characters from the Marvel Universe using the random page on the official Marvel wiki and we just find out how dateable they are. Okay, I'm gonna go like watch Netflix until... It's time for me to call my Uber. Uh, Love you all. Have a great next week. I'll see you two weeks from now. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. Hey Mike, what are you doing? I was just thinking about this idea for a Hook sequel with way more alcoholism and PTSD. Hey, what if we made a sequel to Space Jam, where instead of Michael Jordan playing basketball, they play Quidditch and it's with Daniel Radcliffe? What about a Bugs Life 2, but it's a heist? 
or a sequel to Good Burger where Kel is an heir to an inheritance, and he has a long-lost twin who is also played by Kel Mitchell. Also, Groundhog's Day, what if- Hold on, Madison. Why don't we put these pitches for movies that never got sequels or prequels on our podcast, The Equalizers? Oh, you mean the one we release every Monday on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and all other places podcasts are found? Yeah, that one. Ooh, and maybe sometimes we have some of our writer friends on as well to hear their wild ideas for sequels or prequels. Okay, but can you promise me no sequels with body horror, communist themes, or talk about John C. Riley's penis? I can't, and I won't. Great. Well, my Monday morning just got pretty fucking weird. All of ours have, Madison. All of ours have. Find the Equalizers podcast everywhere podcasts are found, as well on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching The Equalizers. That's E-Q-U-E-L-I-Z-E-R-S, like in sequel.